Kentucky Court Furniture Clearance Center for up to 70% off new retail prices. Stock is updated regularly, so you never know what kind of treasures you'll find. We offer a wide variety of stylish furniture for any budget, and every piece is court certified, so you can let your personality show in every room. And now through April 3rd is our tax refund sale. Mention refund 25 and take 25% off living room and dining room beds. Use your refund and refresh your home with stylish finds from Court Furniture Clearance Center. Go to courtclearancefurniture.com today. Welcome back to Fair Game, the podcast sharing the stories of our Irish sportswomen. I'm Emily Glenn. And I'm Elaine Buckley. If you're here for the first time, make sure to check out our archive where when you're finished this episode, we've got 17 others waiting for you there. Visit castway.media forward slash fair game or search fair game on your podcasting app. You can also subscribe to never miss another one. Check us out on Twitter too, at Fair Game Cast for daily updates on everything going on in women's sport, both Irish and international. Any shares of Fair Game Cast episodes are hugely appreciated too. So if you like what you hear, help us out and spread the word. So on this episode of Fair Game, we are tackling a topic that affects every sportswoman in the country, regardless of what level they compete at, and that is nutrition. Fueling up for training, keeping on top of hydration, getting the essential nutrients for recovery. It's no wonder that people can often struggle with the food focused side of sport due to time constraints. And there's an awful lot of conflicting information out there. So we want to debunk the buzzwords and focus on the facts and hopefully give you plenty of tips to take on board when it comes to your own nutrition. And joining us to do so is Sharon Madigan, the head of sports the head of performance nutrition at the Irish Institute of Sports and Megan Williams, Irish Rugby Sevens player and personal trainer. Sharon and Megan, you're very welcome to Fair Game. Hi guys. Hi, yeah, thanks for having us on. So Sharon, to, to start things off, break it down for us. What exactly is sports nutrition? Oh, <laughs> that's a really difficult question. Uh, you would think it would be easy, but I think... Um, it's probably different for different people. I think that's probably a good enough start. But um, for me, I think it's using food um, to to make changes and and to get performance gains. I suppose if we if you take it from performance backwards, you're looking to adapt and change your performance, and that could be um, potentially through gains in muscle mass. It could be uh, to change your body composition so you're losing fat mass. Um, it could be actually to reduce your overall weight, so a, a mixture of both, because quite often athletes may have a little bit too much muscle for the overall weight they want to be as well, um, and we see that quite often in weight category sports as well, and um, we can talk about that later. Um, bone health is really important, particularly for females, and I think particularly so for younger athletes um, where their bones are developed by the time they reach 20, 21, so they have got to really be on point with that. Um, immunity, um, making sure you're well. <laughs> if you're a sick athlete, you can't compete. And then things like, um, you know, other bits and pieces. There may be um, issues with a particular athlete. They might be a diabetic. They may have celiac disease. They may have IBS. So there's all sorts of individual um, bits and pieces that if you adapt that, you can actually get performance gains as well. So there's really a very broad, you know, I suppose, loads of different things that you can address by addressing your nutrition in terms of performance. And what about the day-to-day? What does that kind of entail? Um, You work in really close quarters with Ireland's elite athletes in the Institute. So yeah, what does it it entail on a day-to-day basis? My goodness, it's very, very different. Um, Today, let me run you through today. I think I had four athletes from four different sports, um, two males, two females. uh, endurance sports, um, strength sports. So there was very big differences there. Uh, one athlete um, is kind of in between lots of competitions in lots of different countries. So they're traveling a lot. So there was uh, bits and pieces that had to be organized for that. Uh, we also had a one uh, a kind of a multidisciplinary meeting for one of the um, sports athletics Ireland. So we met as a group 
um, you know, to update on that. Um, we also had a CPD meeting for arranging a conference, which um, the Institute is one of the partners in in October. And as part of that, we're going to put on a nutrition and physiology conference for um, service providers, uh, athletes, coaches to sit alongside that as well. So just, you know, arranging who the speakers would be fine-tuning in that um, what else I had bits and pieces to do for um, some cooking sessions that we are arranging so one of the other nutritionists was uh, leading on um, some stuff for FAI young soccer players today so they were in the kitchen that was the third session of three um, and then yesterday um, I was with one of our other performance nutritionists um, with Irish hockey up in Belfast there at camp so we were at shop for that and the day before we were at a meeting regarding a feeding study that we're running in the future with athletes in terms of uh, when we'll talk about that at a later stage so there's no two days are the same um, so, so it's every day is different every athlete is different totally. every sport is different and even within athletes it'll change as I'm sure you know yourself um, mm. it'll change from month to month depending you've just come back from training yeah. uh, or sorry competition so what you were doing there versus versus maybe what you're doing when you're working yeah. is going to be very different. So trying to integrate that into, um, you know, just an athlete's plan. So it's, it's easier when you get to know the athletes a, a lot better and you kind of can tweak it and, and have a chat over with the S&C coach or with the physio and um, they'll tell you things that you need to know to make things, you know, run a bit more smoothly so yeah no two days are the same no two days are the same and no no, no two sports are the same no, either. No. And Megan to, to get a bit of background on yourself since 2014 you've been centrally contracted um, mm. by the IRFU in the women's rugby sevens high performance program <laughs> let's what, say what, it, it's <laughs> what was your pathway in, into into that setup um, so I actually came through the talent ID program um, and I was actually based in England at the time and I was playing for the Irish Exiles and I actually got scouted um, by one of the coaches that was um, that was there at the time um, and he asked me to come over uh, for a tryout uh, for the Sevens because at the time the Sevens programme hadn't actually started um, so it was you know brand new and they were still bringing people in and they were just trying to get talent from different um, different teams different sports and bring them all together and see what kind of um, team we could put together for the Sevens um, so through the Irish Exiles, I came over um, every weekend um, for about three months, um, travelling back and forth from England. And um, I was lucky enough to be selected for a contract um, that was for a year. And then I trained with them uh, on a regular basis throughout the week. And then I just worked as well part time. Um, I was really lucky to bring to be brought over from from the Irish Exiles. Um, I was. Uh, it was a good opportunity at the time for me to take, and I had. To, I had to take it because it was a chance to get into the Olympics as well, and it was a sort of dream come true because I've played rugby on and off for years for the last ten years. So I was really lucky to to be part of it. So you're now a professional athlete, and you, yeah. uh, as part of that setup, you have access to full nutritional support. So how has that impacted your your training? What does that involve? Like, is everything you eat monitored and you know weighed? And like, what is it? What's it involve? Um, to a certain extent, it can be monitored and it can be um, well looked at, but um, for, that's for a lot of the younger um, players that are in the team. For myself, I have a bit of a background in nutrition, so I understand sort of the basics and what I need to get. And it's funny how um, we talk about nutrition because I came from being a holiday rep and I, was, I wasn't training at the time. And like any sort of young teenager was, I was um, eating what I wanted and I actually um, really, really put into a structured program when I first joined um, and I got given a nutrition program that I could follow um, on a week to week basis and I really put my head down with it and followed it to a T. And from that as well, I lost, I think about, ended up about 4kg um, in about six months, it was really quick. I completely changed my um, body really, really quickly. And since then, I took a real interest in nutrition and did another nutrition course as well with the help of um, the Irish team um, funding. And um, yeah, so a lot of the 
a lot of the um, girls would follow our program still, but not everybody does. It's everyone is different, like Sharon said, because um, everybody has different goals. Some people might have to gain muscle and get bigger. Some of us might have to lose a bit of weight um, to gain uh, more lean mass and uh, build our muscles. Um, and also, some people would have to um, even and gain gain a bit of weight because we might be a bit too small for the game. So like I said, everybody is different um, and you can choose with the nutrition that, nu- nutritionist that we have at the moment, uh, Marcus, he's absolutely brilliant with, he's very la- relaxed and realistic about what we have to eat as well. Um, it's not, you have to have this, you have to do this. He's you not know, the food police. He's not the food police, yeah. Sometimes people think, oh, they, they are, they're going to, everyone's going to judge you for what you have and what you bring in for lunch and things like that. Um, and I make it clear to the girls as well, especially the young ones coming through, to not focus too much about it because a lot of people worry about the nutrition side of it because they think they have to have a certain amount of fats and protein and good and good and bad stuff or some people think they can't have any bad stuff at all I think you have to think you know you are human as well you have to get the good stuff and the you know the not so bad stuff if you want to call it into your body as well for this kind of training because you want to live as well Okay, and so yeah, that's, that's a really good point that you make. That kind of your your background of how how you got into it. You were kind of competing as a an amateur athlete and training, and mm. you know doing no- normal things that, yeah. that people that age do. And um, Sharon, you're currently conducting a health and performance study on behalf of on behalf of Sport Ireland and in conjunction with UCD and the Irish Research Council, surveying active females, so not yep. elite athletes, uh, all all active women in in the country. What's the purpose of of that research? Um, well, Danielle Luke, who's one of our performance nutritionists, and she's um, doing a PhD in uh, UCD. Um, the the rationale behind it is it's actually it will be both on males and females, um, but we're starting with the females first because there are um, there's obviously been quite a significant amount of work done in terms of the female athlete triad where um, you see changes in physiology um, which can lead to changes in um, say lack of uh, menstruation which then potentially then can have a knock-on effect on bone health and when you see some of these together um, it's known as the triad so uh, identifying it in women is much easier than identifying it in men and it has been unfortunately associated with um, probably disordered eating or eating disorders um, but actually in relative terms it may actually be more of a concern for people that aren't actually meeting their energy requirements so it's a lack of energy not due to any issues with eating um, but actually due to the fact that athletes are doing more than they think they're doing and eating less than they think they're eating so there's a a mismatch um, in energy availability and that can lead to changes for both females in that we can see issues with potential sickness um, we can see low iron um, status um, and more significantly we can see injuries so the the performance has uh, questionnaire has started with with females of of all sports at all different levels so I think sometimes people think oh elite athletes um, they're training much higher and a lot more than everybody else when in fact if you think about it if you're a professional athlete um, you may be lucky enough to um, get some money either through a grant or some funding so you have actually time to step away from your other responsibilities such as college or work Um, if you're an athlete that has to go to college has to work maybe has to do both, uh, maybe has a family if you get to stage where um, you're at that stage. Um, suddenly you have all these other um, roles and responsibilities plus your training and there's a big cost to that in terms of calories or energy um, and people don't think about that I think and um, we see the weekend warriors so to speak that are training very very hard and at a high level um, but probably don't see themselves as elite but in terms of health and performance um, it could have a, a negative effect so Danielle is at the first phase of that where we've actually got about 900 responses back um, so thanks a million for sending out the, the link. Um, we've sent it out w- widely across a lot of different sports. And this particular bit is to look at what the 
prevalence potentially of energy deficiency is within athletes. So are they experiencing or have they any history of some of the things that might be red flags? That's really, really interesting. Mm. Um, talking about the kind of the differences um, between men and women. So, you know, the nutritional requirements for men and women, how do you approach working with male and female athletes differently then? I suppose... Or do you? I don't really. I suppose I look at what the requirements are for the individual first. Um, and, you know, in, in real terms, men probably have higher energy requirements. Um, they're probably have, they have more muscle mass as a baseline anyway. Um, they're generally bigger. So all of those then generally increase the requirements. But I think fundamentally, you need to specifically look at the individual in front of you and what they're trying to do, be it a female or a male, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So say, mm-hmm. for example, if you had um, a, a woman who's, who's trying to, to cut weight for an event, what are kind of the considerations for yeah. that? And then they're, if they're training on a, yeah. on a negative calorie yeah. balance? It's a, 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 and, and I suppose the best answer is they will be. That, that weight category sports, um, I suppose the traditional ones like your judo, boxing, taekwondo, horse racing, um, they would be termed our weight category sports or weights that we would generally cut to weight. Um, you have other sports that are, are not weight category per se in that you don't have to stand on the scales before you compete. But there is, a, I suppose, an expectation, for want of a better word, um, of of a weight. So some of the sports that might come into that are dance, gymnastics, um, endurance sports, triathlon, cycling, running. They're some a, a really good example of that actually, which I was completely unaware of, is sailing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I just was listening yeah. to an interview. Rowing, with, there's with another one too. Rowing, yeah. yeah. So with, um, they might have a boat weight. Um, so, you know, you may have a couple of individuals within the boat and the boat has to be a certain weight. Um, so if you've got somebody who's um, a certain weight and they have to, somebody may have to give. And that can cause, you know, um, I've had experiences of that, not with females as such, but with males, definitely. And it was a big, it was a big issue for them. And you have the same maybe within rowing as well. So there are sports where you you have to stand on the scales or there's a a boat weight, let's say. Or again, wind, you know, if you've no wind or you may want to be lighter um, because of that and sailing. That's a good example. We had Annalise on the podcast um, for our last episode, Annalise Murphy, and uh, she spoke to us about that. And it was it was completely news to me. I'd never even considered that you'd have to make weight for a boat you know um megan so back to you for your your sport for a sport like rugby sevens um we're major fans of your instagram oh thanks (laughs) put that out there and we'll see the link to it but uh describe i mean we absolutely loved looking at your salad today i don't even know but i was i'll have to i'll have to have a look yeah yeah, one one of the best (laughs) so listen describe your kind of daily food intake for us as a sevens player um, so yeah so part of my Instagram as well um, I use that as a tool for myself to keep myself motivated with nutrition I feel like um, you know it's a it's a food diary a food blog for myself because I feel like if I have my foods looking good you know I'm feeling good and looking good it, it just puts me in, in a good mood and I just like have a little habit of you know presentation of the food and things like that because um, most of the time I do live out of Tupperware so when I get a chance to eat off a plate I do and make it look nice <laughs> and then I'll take a photo and make sure I do um, so yeah sure every day um, I try not to change it up too much I'd say um, every two weeks I eat probably the same things every two weeks so I sort of plan out for the first week um, for example um, I really enjoy uh, burgers but I would like to make my own healthy burgers I'd make my own homemade burgers um, rather than having you know the traditional chips I would make something nice healthier like a sweet potato uh, baked sweet potato and salad um, again you'd think we'd all be eating a lot of carbs all the time um, which I do but I only eat high carb meals um, on a high training day so usually that's about three days a week um, which is a high training day Um and then sort of uh, in the middle of the week, say, for example, today on a Wednesday would be my recovery day. Um, so I do a lighter session because um, I work at David Lloyd um, as a class instructor. So I would still have to eat um, enough carbs to keep to um, get me through the, the spin class session. But it wouldn't be too much um, add on for me because I wouldn't go full out as much as I would obviously in training because today would be a time for me to recover for, for tomorrow. Um 
other things like I would have spaghetti bolognese um, is another favourite of mine um, and I eat a lot of sort of chicken salads um, with with sweet potato I pretty much eat sweet potato every day <laughs> um, <laughs> I live off that and I guarantee you my breakfast is the same every single morning I'll have a bowl of porridge um, three eggs two pieces of toast um, and sort of a handful of spinach um, or or some sam- some smoked salmon and avocado yeah. avocado and eggs all the way I'd eat that all day every day if I and, could and the thing the thing about your your pictures on on Instagram like that they it looks like really good food it just looks like a lot of effort went in, went into it yeah and yeah. kind of touching on your, on your experience I suppose coaching in the coaching um other people in the gym probably encounter many weekend warriors like us like me and Emily who are <laughs> fitting in training around a kind of a busy work day yeah. how do you manage clients who expect overnight results in the gym without putting in putting in the work on the food front I guess yeah like I see that a lot and oh stop I used to be one of them as well like I never really used to care much about I used to care enough about my food and what I ate but again I would be the the normal person and before I turned full-time athlete where I would eat really really well in the week which is really really common for a lot of my clients and then on the weekend that's where you splurge and you have your takeaways your curries and the bad stuff and people think um you know that's okay and it is totally fine everybody um deserves to have that those kind of cheat meals on whenever you fancy them it's just using that and having it in moderation and that's what i try to get across to my clients is pick those days where you have trained really really hard that week you know and your body sort of craving it you sometimes i don't know if you your athletes feel it you feel like when you um you need that kind of those bad foods or the pizza or a takeaway or something like that in the week um like it's it's very rare um that we would we would have those takeaways um but when when you do your body you know that your body's calling out for it so i kind of say to my clients you know you have to be realistic and give yourself what your body's craving um and i'd say you know, if you're training hard, you're working hard for the three, four days sessions a week. There's no harm in in having those those foods at the weekend because you know you are normal. But um, yeah, so I try to just incorporate as much as um, normal kind of foods that's easy accessible to get, um, and that's 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 affordable as well. Like really basic things um, that everyone that like, can afford. To, to put into their training training programs, yeah, and a good set of Tupperware as well, and Tupperware. Oh that's, my god, that's a that's a good message to give those well to kind of just eradicate the the guilt. If if you if you if you have worked really hard and you kind of want are craving a treat, you should yeah. just should you just go for it. Like you should, in, in, yeah, in moderation. I don't know what Shannon uh, Sharon thinks on that. Um, you know, it's different for athletes. I think talking with for normal people that you know you're still training, you're trying to keep a healthy, um, positive your body image. You know, it makes you feel good. Then I think you have to look at, yeah, you should have those treats that you want, but not every day. You should. It's. I think it's important for um, athletes and. Um, and everyday workers, uh, mothers, everyone is to have a nutrition plan. You know, go to a nutritionist or a friend who's who knows about it, um, and get something set in place that is a bit of a guideline because you can work with it and work around it. And think it's important um, to to have those foods that you like, um, but also you know, getting all the good stuff as much as you can in. And yeah, yeah and I think, think have a look at your um, week. Uh, what I've seen with with lots of people is that they they see days as individual days but actually if you think about it you might be training in the evening one day and in the morning the next or you may be doing a lot of your training over the weekend and you know not so much let's say on some of the week during the weekdays so what I get people to do is a paper exercise where they plan out where their training is and they I would always work back from my big impact days so you know for instance and I would say that that's not only a day but looking at it as blocks of 24 hours so for example you may be training let's say for hockey or gala games you might have a training session on a Tuesday night and then you may be in the gym on a Wednesday morning again just by chance or whatever it is but if you think about that from a Tuesday evening till Wednesday at lunchtime you've done two training sessions so in that 12 hour block you've actually done two sessions 
albeit them two different days so look at your blocks of time and you know you may be playing two different sports or very so have a look at that and then fit in what you're eating around that so look at where the gaps are and you know like you've just said if you're training and you're expending energy you need to put it back in because what happens then and I would say this to anybody that I see you know do you go out to train and one day the training is fantastic and you're flying and you can run all night and everything's going good and you go back out the next day or the day after and you're dead, your legs are heavy, your arms are heavy. Mm. Fitness doesn't change in 12 or 24 or 48 hours. What changes is how you've recovered in between and that then affects how you train the next day. And, And for me... Changes in in body composition, which is where I see nutrition playing a a basic role. People assume that to change their body composition, they have to eat less. And that's Mm. fundamentally not right. Your changes in body shape and body composition should come from fueling your training. And that allows you to train consistently. And it's through training consistently then that you change your body shape, be it Uh, gaining lean muscle mass or losing body fat or changing your weight overall so I think that's important that's a really really interesting point you just made about recovery Mm. um, and kind of looking at looking at you know training blocks rather than days as um, as single kind of entities and it's something I certainly do really really poorly is like recover is eat for recovery mm. like I'm a massive fan of an El Mars bar after a run um, <laughs> and, but it's a concept that I know many people don't really fully understand and therefore we neglect it so can you maybe both talk to us about eating for recovery and kind of what's involved um, just like you said recovery is really, really important and she said that one day you might do a session and you're absolutely flying it um, you know you know what you've eaten that day and you're feeling great and then the week later this has happened to me actually in the past I've done that same run you know absolutely smashed it was way ahead of the time that I needed to be at and then the same the next week following I did exactly the same run but I knew I didn't eat as much as I had that last time last week and I couldn't finish the run I was lagging it and it was exactly the same run same meters but I was struggling and I turned around and said look to my nutritionist I said I don't know what's wrong with me I don't know why I couldn't do it I just I, could, I had no energy and he was like oh, look back to what you had what did you eat or what did you do the next day for your recovery oh, and I said oh I had this 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 I slept for this long um, but then that week I didn't have as much to, I didn't have enough to eat this for that day and I couldn't finish the run and I, it's important to say I didn't sleep enough and I didn't do the right things to finish I didn't have my full recovery after that really hard run I didn't get to do the foam rolling that I was supposed to do so it's really important you know to get those things in those little small things that all add up they are hugely important and for myself I actually used to take them for granted oh it doesn't mean anything when I first started out like what's it going to do and then really when you come around to it oh 100% it, it really does go a long mile when you do those little extra things and that's been nailed into my head for for the last couple of years definitely um, we had we did a call out on Twitter and some of our listeners had some questions that they wanted to ask you about just kind of some some things that they were unsure of themselves and the first one is from Eilish McGrath would love to know more about supplements for example protein powders are they worth using Sharon what do you reckon oh I love that word supplements yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> listen it's it's can it confuses everybody I think that's probably the starting point it confuses athletes it confuses coaches and um, parents are really concerned about it as well particularly for younger athletes um, I, I just think if you and I can understand why if you think or you're sold an idea that something is going to really affect your performance well of course you're going to be interested in it you'd be absolutely crazy if you didn't think and and it we're, it's human nature if we hear something or we think oh maybe that might just give me that that extra edge well then I, I'm potentially going to think about it um, I think we come back to basics and um, you know uh, a colleague that I work with very closely, Giles Warrington in, in Limerick, you know, he, he puts it really well. Supplements are the sprinkles on the cake. You have to get your cake right first. <laughs> that has to be <laughs> baked. <laughs> and then you then think about the sprinkles on top of it. And for some people, 
there may be a necessary supplement, but it is it is exactly that. It is a supplement to what you're currently doing. So it shouldn't take the place off um, and it certainly shouldn't be as an alternative to um, because there's two reasons for that. The the primary one, you take your eye off the ball. It's almost like a stick and plaster that's going to make everything all right. I, I've taken protein there, therefore tick box. Um, I, I think that's a problem. And then the second problem is then that you're looking at individualizing nutrients. We don't eat nutrients, we eat food. So we're, we're taking on board um, foods that are going to give us nutrients, but it's actually the process of eating that food which actually does the job. So a good example um, for that would be if you take whey protein, that's all you're getting. You're just getting whey protein. You're not getting anything else. Whereas if you take a food that will give you whey protein, more than likely you are getting other things from it or you're taking on board a food that will give you let's say the amino acids that are in whey protein if you just take it if you take it from let's say eggs or greek yogurt or whatever there's so many other things that comes with that and the benefits from that are also important and i think also people would say oh um and, and this comes from the literature and the evidence across the board in lots of different things. So, for example, if we look at just even general health and the evidence for fruit and veg and vitamins, the overwhelming evidence is that it has to be coming from fruit and veg as opposed to a vitamin in a, a pill <laughs> because of a number of reasons and probably because if you take a, a pill or a potion to get that, you may still be eating rubbish food. Mm. <laughs> Whereas if you're eating the fruit and veg, that displaces the crisps or the chocolates or the sweets that you may be eating. Plus also, there are other things within that that maybe we don't even know what they are, mm. but it's also the interaction with, with those together that, that is crucial as well. So it's the, the food is important. And I think when you're educating, particularly young athletes or, or young females, you have to say to them, listen, it's not a stick and plaster and there's no quick fixes. Mm. And I think supplements sometimes gives that, um, I suppose, that, that feeling really. I'm not saying that there's not a place for them. Um, I, I truly believe that there are, but there has to be a good reason behind them athletes need to know why they're taking them and you know it's on top of what they're doing in terms of their foods as well that's a really sorry sorry, i was just gonna say yeah because people young girls and young athletes as well are brainwashed by what we see on social media and what we think is you know is going to get you skinny or it's going to get you fit going to get you strong and protein plays such a big role in that as well when people do get brainwashed into thinking that these protein is going to is going to use all those fixes whereas protein those uh, protein supplements like whey protein doesn't make you bigger or stronger it just replaces and helps um, your muscles repair after a big a big session and, and and it's a it's a quicker way of getting protein into you after a session like the gym if you don't have access to having a protein packed meal um, and that's where I think you know young young girls are getting mixed up with um it's going to make them you know changed completely by taking these products and i think companies are well are taking way advantage of selling them as well to 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 young athletes and for some of the protein i've heard about we don't even know what's in them and you have to be really careful as athletes mm-hmm. what you're taking you have to make sure that that it's checked and approved by our nutritionists before you even take them because it could have anything in them it's a really good point about uh, protein for recovery um, Una Mahani asked us as well what's an ideal food for recovery uh, she keeps reading that it's dairy and she's beginning to feel a bit brainwashed is it dairy or are there alternatives yeah there's alternatives um, I think it depends on what session you've done so if you have a, a long endurance um, based session your recovery is really going to focus on making sure that you replace the energy um, which you've lost in that session, replace the carbohydrates, um, which is really the primary um, energy source, and replace the protein, which is going to um, help recover the muscles because they will be damaged in that. If it's a weight-based session, there's probably less calories going to be used in that session, so your focus doesn't have to be as many calories. um, And 
potentially it doesn't have to be as much in terms of carbohydrate but the evidence which suggests that the two of them can work quite closely together and one kind of benefits the uptake of the other. Um, I think where dairy has probably um, filled that gap is it's very practical. <laughs> you know, so if you can eat dairy, if you don't have any intolerances to it, um, it's a practical option. You know, you can have a yogurt, you can have a milkshake, you can have milk, um, you can have a smoothie that has some of those things in it. But you can do it from other things as well. So you can have peanut butter, you can have rice cakes with peanut butter or nut butter on it. You could have eggs, you could have a roll with meat or cheese or what I suppose that's dairy as well. But, you know, so there are other options. You don't have to go down that route. Um, but I suppose as well, you have to think about the practicalities. And I think this is one interesting one. When people do um, intense exercise, one for some people, one of the major side effects is they actually lose their appetite. So that can affect your recovery because you don't have any stimulus to eat really after. So that's one of the reasons why people's timing is quite often out a little bit is because they actually either have no appetite or they feel slightly nauseous or sick. Mm. So that can actually you know, for most people eating, it, there's a stimulus there. You have to have an appetite, you feel hungry, etc. So quite often that's a reason. So by taking something that's either liquid and that's where that milkshake dairy element comes in or your yogurt, it sometimes offers an opportunity. And likewise, that's probably where some of the um, uh, protein shakes or some of the other nutritional supplements fill that. They help with that particular problem as well. Okay. And um, in terms of, I suppose, liquid intake as well, is hydration as important yeah. as the kind of food that you're putting into your body as well? Like how, how, much, how, how much water would you drink a day, Megan, when you're kind of training and oh, competition? Um, it definitely varies on day to day. When I'm training, you know that you're, you're getting at least oh, three, four, li- um, two litre bottles a, a day you know yeah. it, it can be quite a lot and tra- and non-training days you actually you don't realize how much that you you forget how much to drink so it's important like i would i would normally carry a bottle around with me in my rucksack so and have it there to have because otherwise it, it's so easy to forget to drink um so having a bottle with you is is definitely a, is a trigger point point for me and you know with competitions and um in and out of games because the the, the games that we play are so short it is actually quite hard like you said you don't feel like you're eating so the you know, hydration and having drinks is really important um especially for myself on game days i would get very nervous and i actually really struggle to eat um so I have to find alternatives during the game times and um, in between games, what else I can have instead of food. Um, so I go down the route, like she said, like smoothies works really well for me um, and really small snacks. Um, but for every for every meal that you have, have a glass, have a pint of water. I kind of look at it that way. Um, don't you think yeah, as well? Yeah. I- probably forgot to say that that's part of the recovery so you in your recovery you've rehydrate um repair um you know uh there, there's a a big element and i think as the weather gets warmer um fluids become more important so in terms of our climate we're probably not um, <laughs> yeah. you know, no it's not <laughs> tropical uh, and that's probably one of the the issues that we do have is that um then we're used to you know living most of us probably walk around dehydrated most of the time mm-hmm. um i'm particularly bad at it and i think it's funny when i go in to do checks on on athletes i le- leave little pots for them and they go mental yeah <laughs> we have tried to, do, to we do that to me um, <laughs> but anyway um i think if i was to do it on myself the athletes would be laughing their head off really um yeah i think most of us don't drink enough um and you know it's probably one of the reasons we don't drink enough is because it makes us go to the toilet and it's a real pain in the backside literally mm. <laughs> you know to be running to the toilet all the time but you know we've got to get used to to peeing on a regular basis and you know clear in color and not strong in smell um and i, I think part of the reason is that we're not used to it if we were living in warmer climates we probably would feel thirsty and therefore that drives us to to drink more fluids mm. and the evidence would suggest that you know thirst is a late indicator of hydration now you take that from again you need to apply that 
Um, so for some sports, you'd say, okay, you could be drinking three and four and five litres. If you're on a bike and trying to go a long distance and you've drunk four litres, that's an extra four kilos that you might have to carry about. You might say to yourself, well, there's pros and cons there. So, and again, weight category sports, you'd need to be limiting or looking at that as a possible way of, of reducing the weight a little bit as well. But I think for most of us, it's based usually on our weight. So the the more the bigger we are, um, the the more fluids we need. And a usual criteria is about 35 mils of fluid per kilogram of body weight over the age of 18. And under the age of 18, we actually need a little bit more because our thermo, or the way we heat and cool is not fully developed. So that's why you see kids running around in February without any coats and they don't feel the cold because they haven't actually got their um, heating and cooling systems fully developed. Uh, I just can't get my son to wear a coat at all, <laughs> ever. In fact, we've lost another coat. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So I think kids need to get used to to drinking as well because particularly they wouldn't it, it, there wouldn't be a drive there to drink as much potentially until it's it's really quite late. It's interesting yeah. to hear that there is some science behind that old adage of you must not feel the cold. Yeah, no, they, they don't. They don't. I didn't even know that. <laughs> um, so our final question uh, we got from Ruth Fahey, who is um, uh, we, we've had on this podcast before, um, and she asked. Oh, she says that there's a big problem with young female athletes not being able to distinguish social media trends from you know, the actual dietary requirements of an athlete. Um, and she was just asking your thoughts on that. Yeah, I see that um, obviously being on social media quite a bit and I obviously promote um, you know, healthy body images. There's always every week Transformation Tuesdays. That's such a big trend in the social media um, um uh, oh, I've lost my thought, sorry. Uh, but it's just such a big trend, and it's such a ba- it's it can be really positive, and it can be really negative as well, um, because people are so body conscious now, and um, it's really important for for, for using social media and using these tools being to be being really positive. Um, I don't know, Tamara, what do you think on that? I, you know, I have grave concerns yeah. <laughs> um, from a, a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, skinny is strong as a new skinny. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, if and this may sound very flippant, but if somebody's on social media without any clothes on, that is not a degree in nutrition or any background in giving advice. And I, I strongly recommend that you know. This is food isn't just something that we eat. There is a big um, psychological element to it, and you know we we eat because we enjoy it. There's lots of people may overeat because they're in bad form. People may undereat because they're not in good form either. So there's it's tied up with so many different things, and I think we've got to um, get out of the way of thinking that food is reducing food it's healthy is about being skinny it's not either because i have very thin athletes that are not very healthy you know their their bones are weak they're getting sick they're getting injured um that is not a healthy athlete to me um so it, it's what it's in the inside so we've got to remember that we we have got to eat to fuel our performance and we've got to eat to fuel our body and and be healthful and i think that's why as well focusing on individual nutrients is not the way to go so yes absolutely most of us eat too much sugar there's no doubt about that but you know vilifying sugar as the answer to all our problems is not the way to go we still have a fear of fat so instead of people eating healthfully, like the Mediterranean diet, for want of a better example, where there's healthy oils, nuts, seeds, um, oily fish, you know, the focus isn't on reducing calories. It's it's on eating foods that are actually going to make us healthy. And I think there is a fear of fat still there. So people are still cutting out foods as opposed to flipping that and saying there are foods that we should be eating. And I think, yes, probably, you know, the avocado kale thing is good at the moment because <laughs> it is getting some fats that are a bit more healthy. But I think we, we could do better on that. But the, we're still not able to decipher, particularly, I think, from a female sport point of view about 
body shape and body size and skills. We've got to get skills out of this mm. and be a strong athlete that's fit for purpose in the sport that they're in as well. I heard a really interesting quote from um, from Dervila Rourke on the RT show what are, you, what are You Eating last week and she was saying that like you know now t- a couple of years retired in the gym she meets people who are self-enforced on more restrictive diets than she was training oh, for an Olympics. 100% I hear that all the time. And that was I just found that horrifying like and again she made the same point that you did I suppose about supplements being the icing on the cake but people just tailoring these diets for themselves from what they pick up different probably questionable resources online or whatever. I was at a conference um, before Christmas and it was really quite concerning because of adolescents and and this is both females and males most of their advice on most things that they do comes from YouTube Mm -hmm. so that was a psychologist speaking about where um, kids are getting advice regarding um, anti-doping supplements it's not from it's from YouTube so this is where I think probably as um, uh, professionals we are um, way behind the curve because it's not even from the internet it's it's YouTube that's where people seek their advice from so if you have a good presence on that and you have something to either sell or a, a, a message to give and and you're in that Instagram will be another place where you know again body image is a, is a big thing so there are grave concerns about where people are getting their advice from and it's generally not from people that know anything about the the area. And in terms of people maybe listening to this who are looking for resources uh, online about kind of recipes or kind of tips about nutrition, is there anywhere that you'd recommend? Um, Like my opinion would be different to you as well because I think, you know, YouTube can be a really positive thing and there is people who, who do go into it and aren't qualified and do give their opinions on things they don't really know and understand and then there is people who are who have a good following and are positive especially for young younger girls not necessarily athletes but younger younger women coming through playing sports and things like that that can be really positive and I would like to think that I was that type of person who would be realistic and positive towards foods and body image you know and be you know be really real on social media platforms because you can come across a lot of um, social media um, accounts that you know aren't real aren't realistic you know normal people aren't going to look like these people on social media and that's where it wrecks my brain as well because that side isn't realistic i think it's important to see as well there is a lot of um um girls who have huge followings that promote that healthy body image by doing their you know the realistic shots like they say and you know an unrealistic shot because it's all about what people put on social media platforms are the highlights of your days the highlights of the good things the the way you look well and people have to take it with a pinch of salt and I think that's really important because it is I think can be really really positive Um, for me it has been especially um, it's really sort of come out of my comfort zone and made me more confident and I've met so many different people and new friends through social media which and I've never would have spoke to before in my life and I'm part of a, a, a group actually now called the Girl Gains and we actually um, host regular events um, where girls from all over Ireland and they have them in the UK and all over um, Europe at the moment and you're meeting individuals that are like-minded and need to know and would like to find out more information about nutrition and and um, some people would be qualified to speak about that and some people wouldn't but everyone sort of puts their input and gets advice what it thinks right it's kind of similar to what we're talking about now because everybody has different opinions um, and it's really nice to see what other women are saying um, so that you can sort of bring out what you're trying to get across as well and then put it out on your social social media but no Trent, you're 100% right I think it's important to get the right advice from people who are actually you know qualified if you if you are going down that route and um, to have a professional nutrition plan. How yeah. do you know? How do you know? Yeah. Who's moderating these? Um, that's some, it. And that's, I suppose that's a difficulty that we have across not only nutrition, but lots of different areas. So it's we're not on our own on that. Mm-hmm. I just have grave concerns that, you know, we're, there are things that are going on that once, you know, in terms of bone health, there is nothing you can do about your bones once you 
go beyond the age of 20. Mm. Your bones are laid down. They are as strong as they're going to be. And really, after the age of 30, it's downhill from there on in. You know, so you need to make sure that you have laid down as much bone mass as you possibly can. And as an adolescent, if you're following trends or ideas Mm. where, um, you know, we're not we're not eating foods that are good sources of calcium then we we're going to be in potential trouble down the line you know i have athletes who have the bones of 80 year olds when they hit their mid 20s because of issues that has has presented with them you know and and we see injuries that are you know their career ending injuries and these are things that are going to be with people for the rest of their day. So I suppose for me, social media is very much about the here and now. It's about the immediate, um, whereas people like myself, I'm thinking about individuals when they hang up their um, goggles or they, you know, whenever they throw away their spikes yeah. or whatever it is, it's about having healthy, well-rounded individuals who enjoy their food, um, who don't feel guilty about it, who can continue on and the anxiety that's around making choices, we need to try and take some of that away from people. It's a really interesting mm. point, you kind of talking about nutrition for the long term. So maybe this is a, an interesting point to end on. What's the one piece of advice you would give to women who would like to improve their approach to nutrition in the long term? Don't do guilt. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> no, don't like, you know, again, it's um, if you're guilty, you're probably going to do more of the same. <laughs> it just precipitates more and more bad behaviours. So I think if you enjoy something, eat it or drink it, move on. And, you know, 80, 20, so 80% of the time, if you're doing the right thing, there's no reason why 20% of the time you can't do things that you may perceive as as not good. And, you know, don't, there's no such thing as a good or a bad food. So it's how you put the whole thing together. And I think guilt actually doesn't do anybody any favours. Um, I think for me, um, three sort of key words I always take with me um, is balance, moderation and realistic. I think I, I worked through them once I think, you know, just what you said as well, you, you know, that's what I would end on. Those three words are, are sums it up for me. That's great. Well, that's a good way to, to, to wrap things up. Thank you, Megan and Sharon, so much for joining us. Um, a lot of a lot of really good tips there and a lot of stuff learned on, on our behalf and hopefully on our listeners as well. So thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you, very, you much. very much. Thank you. So a big thanks to Sharon Mad- Madigan and Megan Williams for joining us on the show. You can follow them both on Twitter at Madigan underscore Sharon and at Megan Williams, or, and that's Megan 91 Williams Um, and also if you're on Instagram be sure to check out Megan which is Move Energize Glow you can follow us on Twitter too at Fair Game Cast we constantly share news and views about happenings in women's sport both at home and abroad and listen spring has officially sprung so all the more reason to get out and about and stretch the old legs and if you are going for a walk or a run and you need a soundtrack we've got 17 other episodes in our archive to keep you going you can also subscribe to fair game on all podcasting apps to get each episode directly to your phone as soon as it lands so that's it for this episode and we'll talk to you again soon Paycor knows HR teams are under pressure to recruit and retain top talent. You need more than HR tech. You need expertise at the core. Meet Paycor. Our technology saves you time. Our expertise helps you make a difference. Paycor.com slash meet Paycor.